and thank you very much for tuning in to this recap episode covering round seven of Super Rugby Aotearoa, where I have linked up once again with my pal Cam Jeffrey to talk about the Hurricanes' historic win on Saturday night, before touching on the Chiefs' record seventh consecutive loss as they went down to the Blues on Sunday afternoon. Now, just a heads up, I am not going to be dropping a preview or review pod for round eight. Unfortunately, I am away for work this week and just won't have the time to fit that stuff in. So instead, I am going to be dropping a In The Sheds interview I recorded a couple of weeks ago. No hints as to who it is. You guys will just have to wait and see when I drop a later in the week. But in the meantime, just enjoy the talking points of me and Cam covered for the latest round of footy. But yeah, thank you once again for jumping back on the podcast, bro. We had two pretty good games of footy. I thought that Saturday night's game was... Better than Sunday, not only because I'm a Hurricanes fan, but I thought the, the spectacle itself was was pretty good. It was a, it was a very tight affair, but uh, yeah, thankfully the, the Hurricanes came up with the win in round seven of Super Rugby Aotearoa. So, and I know that you were at the game, bro, so we'll, we'll jump straight into to Saturday night. And can you give us a first-hand account of what it was like being yelled one out at Orange Theory Stadium? Yeah. Yeah, it was an exciting game to be at, really. Um, very cold. And I was outnumbered. It's getting a bit of shit in the stands and walking in. I think the ticket lady was like, it's like commiserations already. Like, like oh, <laughs> come on. All right, misconfident. Um, yeah. But at the game, yeah, it was a really exciting game to be at. I got a good view of um, a suffer or more running down the sideline. Fucking, sorry, sorry for the swearing. Uh, big collision with uh, Jack Goodhue. Yeah, that was. Um, he didn't have a very good game, did he? After all the hype midweek yeah. with him and Laomapi. Yeah, it looked like he like may have been carrying a few niggles. Didn't potentially. Look a bit sore, sort of thing. Yeah, potentially. But yeah, got a good view of him tackling Amor or trying to. He stopped yeah. them. But yeah. No, yeah, totally, bro. Um, and like we've alluded to, the Hurricanes won the game 34-32 breaking the Crusaders' 36-game win streak. Um, and for me, uh, for as awesome as the likes of Adi Sevilla, Peter Umanga Jensen, and Jordy Barrett to an extent with the boot, I mean, he kicked 17 points, it was just another massive defensive effort for the Canes. Now, they, they did put themselves on the back foot when that Mwanga um, try came through. A nice bit of work by Goodhue, actually, um, for as quiet as he was during that game. I think the only real contribution he had was that offload. To set up his first five, and um, unfortunately for for Mwanga, he um he had another brilliant game, and he was the catalyst to getting them back into the fight towards the back end after Jordy Barrett kicked that late penalty to put them away by seven, and even after um, Peter Mwanga Jensen scored his try with about 20 minutes to go, and unfortunately he just didn't quite have it in him to kick that last conversion, which would have been pretty spectacular. Because after Geordie kicked that penalty with five to go, I was like, yep, we've got it. And then, just like the Crusaders always do, they managed to get the ball back yeah. and sells the dummy straight through and then puts the pass on a dime for Severista to score in the corner. I'm just like, oh, no. Like <laughs> After seeing George Bridges' try, which is the most Crusaders try ever, I still oh, don't know how he scored it. that. <laughs> like, how do you like volley it 
and have it perfectly weighted to then beat everyone else in the end and go and, and dot it down. I mean, it was a lot, of, a lot of skill shown by George Bridge, but a very Crusaders try, if, if you yeah. get what I'm getting at. But no, the, the Hurricanes, for the most part, defended really well. The, the Crusaders actually dominated position, and having looked at the stats after the game, the Crusaders carried close to 600 metres, ball in hand, to the Hurricanes, 292. So that just shows how much more tackling the Hurricanes did especially in that second half. But doing a bit of a deeper dive, typically the Crusaders are really good at finishing out the first half strong and being the quicker team out of the blocks in the second stanza. But having watched the game over a couple of times, the Hurricanes actually scored 10 points in the last 10 minutes of the first half. And although the two teams traded penalties to start the second half, the Hurricanes were actually the first team to get any meaningful points when Emunga Jensen dotted down. So... I felt like that was where the game was almost won and lost. Now, I know you've got to finish the game strong and whatnot, but the Hurricanes did a really good job of negating the likes of Will Jordan. I thought that while a few of the kicks from Geordie from the back were a bit aimless, they tended to put the ball in the air rather than go for distance and give that back three times to, to work their magic. So that was probably a bit of homework down there on their part. But now the Hurricanes just fronted up defensively for the fourth week in a row. And now they're only three points behind the the tabletop and Crusaders, and it's it's pretty much anyone's ball game, especially after the Blues won on Sunday as well. So you obviously mentioned the likes of Asaf Moore, and he was really good again. Um, he seems to have really made a jump with his set piece work. So at, at scrummaging and at line out time, which was always sort of a weakness for him because we all see how spectacular he is with ball in hand and how much of a hit man he is when he doesn't have the ball, but. I mentioned Peter. Did you have anyone else you wanted to give a bit of a shout out to? You know, having been at the game because I know it's different being at the game and actually getting a taste for. You know, you're able to maybe see a lot more stuff off the ball. Yeah, um, not really. Just all those likes, and I was really impressed with the Hurricanes' defense, like you said. And um, yeah, just kept on tackling all day and uh, stopped the Crusaders from making any real progress up the field. Uh, obviously. Wes Goosen got a couple of tries, which were pretty good. Jordy Barrett, like you said, I was really impressed with him. It's like he can't miss a kick at the moment. He's nailing everything. <laughs> and he, that's the um, thing, bro. Like, I guess that's the the beauty with having someone like him on the park. It's like, yep, we all see what he can do with his field kicking. And he's a big body, and he, and he throws himself into contact pretty well with both attack and defence. But teams just can't afford to give away penalties, you know, even behind halfway because of his range. And that's something that the Hurricanes are really utilising now. Like even that kick that he, he made with five to go, that penalty, I mean, that's a that's a tough kick on the angle, but he just hoofs him, man. Like, I'm, yeah. every single ball, it never creeps over, bro. It always clears the dead ball line. Yeah, bro. Um, and that's just they something that the go, Hurricanes have had yeah. up their sleeve since he came back, eh? They just seem to sell straight with him, eh? He just knocks them so far that they don't really tend to, or so hard and long that they don't tend to like move around as much as other goal kickers, which is probably a micro skill, as Justin Marshall would say. <laughs> He's good at it. Um, yeah, and also um, with his goal kicking, it kind of when after Peter Umag Jensen scored, it kind of gave us a bit of a a good lead where we were kind of just had to hold our own for the rest of the game. Yeah. And, yeah, well, totally. the Crusaders were playing sort of catch-up ball at the end, which they nearly did. I was anxiously waiting for 
the touch judges' decisions after Richard Munger's kick it kind of looked like it went over where I was sitting. Yeah. And then I watched the replay and it just shaved the uprights. Oh, yeah. Thank God. <laughs> Bro, when he, well, because he had the chip and chase to set up the, the Quentin Strange try with 10 to go. And I was like, oh, no, please don't. Because at that stage, I think the lead was down to four. And I was like, please don't be one of those games where the Hurricanes or any team lets it go in the last 15 minutes. And then we get the penalty. I'm like, oh, yes, sweet. And then somehow the Crusaders win the ball back off of that kickoff or like not long after that kickoff. And then he goes straight through and sets up the Reese try. I'm like, this bass is going to kick the goal as well. <laughs> and and like for all the talk there's been of Bowden Barrett, it doesn't seem to have affected Richie Monga one bit, and I think that right now, and although it would have been probably clear-cut last week, and I think he's just shown once again against what is now the second-best team in Super Rugby Aotearoa that he is the guy to play first five for the All Blacks. And we'll get into Barrett's performance in Sunday afternoon's game, but he's just something else. I thought him and Sever Reese were really good. Uh, unfortunately for a couple of those outsides, they probably didn't get as much ball as they would have liked to. Um, and I thought that was just a, a reflection of the Hurricanes' rush defence coming up from the outside. A lot of teams are, are employing that that line of defensive intensity and, and looking to cut off the ball from getting the width. But as we saw with the, with the few opportunities that those outsides do get, they are able to cash in. But fortunately enough for the Hurricanes, they built up enough of a buffer through yeah. Jordy Barrett's boot and taking their own opportunities when they were presented to them. And they held on. Pretty much, uh, well, they didn't hold on, but Jordy Barrett won the holding on penalty right at the end, and yeah, that was uh, even when you know when Jordy Barrett, uh, not Jordy Barrett, when Will Jordan made that break down the sideline, oh. I was just like, no, please, yeah. <laughs> please don't, no, like, I know exactly how you feel, because eh? I was when he got the boss, oh no, just I was like, couldn't even, couldn't really watch. I was like, here we go, here we go, and then yeah. Jamie Booth, one of the fastest half great, great, great covering tackle, yeah, mate. He has to be one of the fastest halfbacks going around, eh? Oh, he's, he's he's very nippy, bro. Well, to keep up with all Jordan, you have to be. Hard out. And it's like when Jordy Barrett won that penalty, the Crusaders just knew it was over, eh? I think yeah. if they didn't get into that tussle, there would have been like a line-out, maybe. Well, no, the Hurricanes had won the penalty because Jordy Barrett had got over the ball. Yeah, but I thought maybe... But I think there might, have been, there might have been a little bit of time, yeah. Yeah, yeah true. Like, I mean, so. Yeah, bro. But, but yeah. Now they, they held on. Yeah, just. Yeah, now it's a good game. Good game to be at, you know. Got on Facebook Live and celebrated accordingly. <laughs> Had a few yeah, fans no. next to me the whole game. They were like, congratulations stuff, so they went too salty. Well, I, I, I think when you when you have a winning streak like that for so long, eventually it's going to come to an end. And I think the fact that the Crusaders lost in the way they did it wasn't like they got blown off the park. I think they were just better by the better team on the yeah. day. And yeah, so, it's a good game um, football by both teams, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you can be a sour puss if you're a Crusaders fan because you are so used to winning. But yeah, I think I think they have to have a bit of respect for how the Hurricanes turned up, and for the most yeah, part, bro. like I like I mentioned in prior to halftime and just after halftime, which are pretty crucial stages of any football game, they they dominated that passage and, and ended up being enough for them to get home. But on a um, yeah, on a lesson note for the Hurricanes. Before the game, there were quite a few scratches. So Tyrell Lomax didn't play, Isaiah Walker-Lewitty didn't play, and so didn't Waifafita, uh, who were three sure. quite integral players in that group. And then, as we saw, Peter Umunga Jensen went off after he scored his try. But prior to that, Nani Lamapi also appeared to have done something pretty bad to his arm. And then also Fraser Armstrong 
went off in the first half with what looked to be a shoulder niggle. So while it would have been a, a bit of a celebration back at whatever hotel the Hurricanes were at, um, <laughs> and I, yeah, I mean, I, I saw the, the look of jubilation that Jason Holland had on his face. He's hoping that a lot of those boys aren't out for too long because, um, like I mentioned, Tyrell and Isaiah Wookley, they're pretty key pieces in the engine room. By Fafita, he's an all-black. Fraser Armstrong's been starting for the most part of the season, so he'll be a big miss if he's out for any longer. And I mean, Nani Lamape after last week, I thought he, I thought he had a good game on Saturday. Obviously, they looked to nullify him, and that's probably why Peter was able to work himself into the game, like he did. But yeah, those are those are quite a few injuries. And yep, they got the bye this weekend, which will obviously give them time to regroup and assess the the extent to to which all of those boys hurt themselves. But yeah, fingers crossed as a Canes fan that those guys aren't out for all that long. Well, Lamarpe yeah, looks to be out for, for a while, but yeah, yeah, he's. I think he's done for the yeah, season. Yeah, definitely but... need those all those players to be fit. Hopefully, the buy definitely came at the right time. I think Jason Holland said came out and said today maybe that the start of last week there was heaps, there was heaps of injury clouds over the yeah. Canes camp sort of thing. So. The win did come at some cost, unfortunately, but yeah, hopefully well, yeah, think all the boys can recover. Well, like I mentioned last week, we've already seen eight guys being sidelined for the remainder of Super Rugby Aotearoa because of injuries they sustained in Super Rugby Aotearoa games. And like we've seen, Lamar, he's probably done for the season. And uh, not to take anything away from the Hurricanes win, but it wasn't like the Crusaders were at full strength either. They had quite a few of their own boys out, and namely, you know, Scott Barrett. He hasn't been there the whole season. Braden Enel was a scratch. Ethan Blackadders was a scratch. And those are two guys who have been a part of that setup and have provided a bit of punch, both starting for Enel and with, with Blackadder off the bench. So these games have definitely taken a toll, and that's why I mentioned last week whether or not we both think it's sustainable or not from a yeah. player welfare perspective. Because they, they're awesome games of footy, but they obviously take their toll on the players, not only during the game, but like you said, if someone like Jack Goodhue even after coming off the bye with the Crusaders, has still got a bit of a bang in that body and he's having to carry that into another test match-like game, that's when these injuries start to occur. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see after this competition's done and we're done with the, the North and South game and potentially whatever All Blacks game we have to what 2021 um, has for us because for me personally, having seen how many guys have gone down it doesn't look like we're going to be able to carry this sort of thing over as much as we'd love to see these Kiwi derbies week in, week out. Uh, I just don't think the teams yeah. have, have the player depth to, to handle the the collisions and the the intensity yeah. of the games that we've seen. So Yeah, well, yeah, being at the game also, especially Christchurch Stadium, you get like a pretty good close-up view of the game. You can just see how like physical it was. Mm-hmm. I was just like, how do these guys do it? Like week in, week out, and maybe there's probably like a massive tight schedule this year, you know, with yeah. Corona. So, like maybe like a mid mid season, like mid competition break could have been good for the boys, but they probably couldn't afford to do it with the tight schedule there is this year. Well, because what's happened in the past is that they've had the All Blacks break, but unfortunately yeah, for all the top tier dudes, they go and play All Black footy, and then I guess for the the second stringers or the, the the second rung, they get a bit of a break. But yeah, I'm not sure what the answer is. I think the easy answer is obviously we don't have a competition like this or we have to figure out a way to space it out or 
they have to go to bigger yeah. player groups or bigger squads to, to get a bit more rotation in. But then it's like, well, where does all that money come from? And does that mean that our top players get paid less to then make sure that they're keeping all of these other widest training squad guys afloat with their contracts to keep them in the game or keep them in New Zealand? Because the last thing you want is, like we're seeing, you know, a lot of our talent when they aren't quite getting a look in at the All Blacks, they, they bugger off overseas to get their payday, which is totally understandable. But yeah, it's about sort of figuring all those parts out to make sure that we have a quality product back here in New Zealand that then carries over into the All Blacks. But um, that's a that's another yarn for a different day. I know that I get off into these little tangents, but yeah, it's quite a <laughs> yeah. yeah I guess it's just a thing. Yeah, with being with being a footy head, bro. But um, jumping into Sunday's game, the Blues hosted the Chiefs, and unfortunately for all of those who support the Waikato-based franchise, it was their seventh consecutive loss. They lost to the Auckland-based outfit twenty-one seventeen. There was a controversial penalty uh, with about a minute to go where replacement lock for the Blues, Josh Goodhue won a turnover or won a holding on penalty on the try line, but if you actually go back and look at the tape, it doesn't really show any clear release from him, and it also looks like he was actually kneeling on one of his own players while looking yeah. to win the ball so, understandably I can see why the likes of Anton Leonard-Brown who spoke to the media and, and Warren Gatland and even when you watch the game, you look at someone like Aaron Cruden who goes to approach the referee both before full-time and after the hood is gone. Obviously quite angry with the call that had been made, but at the same time, the Chiefs were their own worst enemy. They leaked the, the game's first 14 points. Well, we tried to Matt Duffy off a nice scrum move, and I'll tell you what, Riku Iwani is looking really good at centre at the moment for all the work that he does with ball in hand, and he's looking like he can hold his own in defence. It was a nice little tip on, and I'm pretty sure it was a no looker, if yeah, I remember right, it's rightly. Like Marshall. <laughs> yeah, you know, so he's just showing his skill set at, at the midfield position, and then after that, Patrick Tuipulotu crashed over from close range. And uh, yep, the Chiefs worked themselves back into the ball game. They scored their own pretty awesome try through Solomon Alaimalo, which was a sort of fortuitous bounce for Brad Weber, who then linked up with Cruden, and then. He shot a cool head to throw that dummy to get Talia out of the play, and then it was a nice pass out for Leonard Brown and drawing pass on Duffy, and then Alain Milo's in the corner. But, yeah, the the Chiefs are just their own worst enemy to, to put themselves behind the eight ball so early in the game and have yourself chasing the game. And then even at the end, so Harry Plummer went to the bin for a bit of cynical play. I think it was repeated penalties uh, close to the goal line for the Blues. And so the Blues are a man down, right? Now, if you're 15 playing 14, why do you choose to tap and go instead of taking the scrum? Mm, yeah, I heard the commentator because, say like something about not risking it for the scrum, but I don't know. But you're, but you're a man up. But well, it, yeah. it, it, it doesn't matter because either, well, I would back my scrum. Now, I, I, it didn't look like the chief scrum was going all that bad, but if the Blues have to chuck it back in there to try and make sure that the not the Crusaders, sorry, that the Chiefs don't get the pushover scrum, you've got a, you've got an extra back. Yeah, so, true, like, yeah. I, I, I don't know what was going on through Sam Kane's head when he told Brad Weber to take the tap and go. Another brain fade for what has been a countless list for the, <clears throat> the Chiefs since coming back to Super Rugby Aotearoa. And, yeah, just... It wasn't like they didn't have their own opportunities to score tries. Again, it was just a 
a matter of being a bit more patient and keeping ball in hand rather than trying to force offloads, which uh, ended in knock-ons, ended in turnovers, and the Blues just did a really good job of relieving pressure when they're in their own half. And when Finlay yeah. Christe scored his try to, to give the Blues their lead, taking them out to 21-17, there was still 25 minutes to play. Now, I take my hat off to the Blues, who, again, defended pretty well, similar to the Hurricanes in their effort on Saturday night. But at the same time, Chiefs, like it's not like the, the Blues scored late and they grounded out. The Blues had to defend for 25 minutes, and you couldn't muster up anything with having the back line that you do. So, again, I, I, I don't know what to say about the Chiefs, and I didn't think that they were outplayed by the Blues. I, I personally didn't think the Blues had that flash. But that yeah, the Chiefs, they really were just own, their own worst enemy. Yeah, it was a, it was a weird game, kind of, because I don't know, it didn't look like anyone was too dominant apart from the Blues in like the first 20 minutes, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Alo <laughs> Molo, um, when he scored that try, it kind of came off like a, a dusty pass from someone and just got me thinking maybe like that was the only way they could make a break, sort of thing. Yeah. It's kind of like they're missing a bit of creativity in the back line by their, I don't know, There's no punch, eh? There's, there's no, there's no, no breach. Yeah. Yeah, something they're really missing at the moment. Yeah, but they, the penalty count, the Blues conceded, I think, like, at least double, like, well, definitely a considerable number of penalties against the Blues and the Chiefs, and they couldn't really capitalise on it. I think looking back on it from, I didn't actually see the final 20 because I was getting mackers, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, apparently it should have been a penalty, but I think you can't really, or you can complain, but they still had 20 minutes to come up with something. They're definitely their own worst enemies. Yeah. What you were saying on Rico Ioane, I really agree with that. Seems like his distribution games like come along real nicely because I remember I think it was last year throwing some massive like rainbow cut out balls to the wing eh? but now he's like he's pretty on with his passing eh? I think definitely he's enjoying just, the way he's playing I think he's just playing relaxed uh, yeah true and I, yeah, and I think that, I think I think that's just the, that's just the way the, the whole group at the moment is playing they, they don't seem yeah. to be as rushed and they all seem to be on the same page and it's, it's working really nicely for the Blues. I'm not sure about Harry Plummer at 12. I don't know what sort of thinking Liam McDonald's gone into that with. Yeah. Because I'm quite a big fan of TJ Fayani. He doesn't yeah, get the right. recognition that some of his other outsides get, you know, the likes of Mark Talia, Rico Iwani, and, of course, Bowden Barrett. But he's almost the glue guy for me in that team. He makes all of his tackles. Yeah, hard out. And I'm not sure if his, or his, as in Liam McDonald's thinking, is to have him come off the bench and add a bit of spark and in the latter stages, which is always which is always a good move, but I think when you have a guy of that quality, and you know that that's just my opinion, that you have him on the park for as long as you can. So, yeah. but that's another observation, and something that I also noticed off the back of last week's game against the Hurricanes with Bowden Barrett was the fact that I'm not sure if anybody else noticed this, but he changed kicking tees this week. Now, if you go back and watch, if you go back and watch the replay of of the highlights from the Hurricanes Blues game, he's kicking off one of those Dan Carter low tees. Oh, but really? This week, yeah, yeah. But this weekend or the weekend just gone, he actually kicked off one of those elevated tees. So I'm not he's sure if that's the elevated tee guy, isn't he? Yeah, no, he is, and that's why I was so surprised when when I saw him kicking off. The, yeah, well, that's why I was so surprised when I saw him kicking off the um the flat tee last weekend against the Canes. Yeah, and. 
Yeah, yeah I wasn't, yeah, and I was sort of like, that is weird, but then at the same time, I'm like, should he really be, like, chopping and changing tees, you know, midway through a season? You know, that's yeah, probably, probably not, not to that's not going to bode well, I guess, for him at the test level. I don't, I don't want our, or one of our goal kickers chopping and changing tees, depending on how he's gone the previous week, but again, that's just one of my observations, and on Barrett, he was obviously a lot more involved coming in to first receiver on a permanent basis with number 10 on his back, and I thought he went all right. He had a couple of nice touches. There was the one odd break that he had, and he, he popped up a nice offload to, I think it might have been Kurt Eklund, um, similar to the sort of break he had in last weekend's game when he scored his try. You know, he just sort of like looked to attack that A channel and sold the dummy and managed to breach. And I just think that for as much as Leon McDonald maybe wants to go with that all Teddy Black Bowden Barrett combo by having those dual playmakers, I just think even though regardless of what happened on Saturday and even though it might not have been as fluid as the Blues has performed in, in previous weeks, I think you have to stick with Barrett at ten from now on. Even though I don't have a problem with him playing at fullback, I didn't think it was the end of the world that he had number fifteen on his back and he wasn't getting as involved as what everybody else would have liked to have seen. But I just thought that Matt Duffy held his own. And besides the goal kicking, because that's the only real problem that the Blues have now, even though Barrett didn't go too bad off the tee, um, we all know that he can be quite sporadic with his kicking. And yeah. that's, the I guess, the insurance policy that you have when you have Teddy Black starting is that he's a more consistent goal kicker. And so you know that more often than not, or, you know, eight or nine times out of ten, he's going to kick all the threes that you'd expect him to and kick the majority of his conversions. But I just thought that Barrett steered the ship pretty well, and the fact that he's got a quite an adept left boot now, he's sort of taking that pressure off himself when he's on the wrong side of the field. And, yeah, there, there was just a bit more sort of dynamism with, with him a lot closer to the rack, and he just steered them around the park, and he obviously did enough to to get them home because even though they didn't score any points in their last 25 minutes, they, they tackled their hearts out. So, yeah, it's um, it's another, I guess, decision that Leon Henry's going to have to make off the back of the Hurricanes winning as well because now the Blues are right back in it with the possibility of, of running Super Rugby Aotearoa that it's not like had the Crusaders won and they put themselves away or they put themselves in a position where it's almost them to lose, that now the, the Blues are actually playing for something or are still in the playing for something. So... And we've yeah. all seen, I guess, just how crucial goal kicking is when we looked at the work that Geordie Barrett did last week, that it's whoever turns up on the day that's going to win these contests and the games are going to be won by uh, very fine margins. You know, the Blues only got home by four points and the Hurricanes only got home by two points. So, yeah, as much as I like seeing Bowden Barrett with 10 on his back, his goal kicking is always going to be a bit of a, I guess, cause a bit of anxiety for fans and, and the coaching group. So... Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think I agree with you. They should probably start him at 10 for the rest of the games. Like, when nothing's on, he just kind of has the ability to, I guess, like punch a hole himself, just like sprint into contact and make metres over the advantage line. Mm-hmm. He's probably he's probably the king of the half break sort of thing, eh? I yeah. And then, yeah, basically... Bring on Oteddy Black for the last 20. He's pretty clutch at his goal kicking. But yeah, what you're saying about the Blues, they were pretty chill that whole game, mate. They kind of look like they're in cruise mode. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, they don't seem like they're trying to force anything like they tend to have 
in the past couple of years. They kind of just let it flow and then hold on to the ball and let things happen as they unfold sort of thing. Yeah, well, I think that that 14-point question that the Chiefs almost gifted them gave them, I guess, that ability to cruise. And they probably took their foot a little bit too off the gas towards the back end of the first half and coming out of the blocks in the second half. Uh, but obviously they replied. They get the Finlay Christie try and they put themselves up by uh, seven points again and then the Chiefs kick a penalty and then it's sort of anyone's ball game. But again, they just showed a lot of backbone in that last quarter of the game to show the discipline not to give away too many more penalties so that the, the Chiefs could keep the points ticking over. And then right at the end to defend the way they did, even with the man down, yeah, it was just a, a sign that things have changed in Auckland for the better. It's a reflection of the work that Leon McDonald's done within that group to give them the the confidence that they can win these these tight tussles and yeah they're they're, they're right back into the thicker things thanks to the Hurricanes and I think that's good for all rugby supporters because yeah. none of us wanted to see the Crusaders win again uh, and I think it just it's going to make for an exciting last three weeks because yeah you know road, the both because as hopeless as the Chiefs have been, and even though the Highlanders haven't shown the ability to quite finish off games, we just don't know what's going to happen over these next couple of weeks when they play the Crusaders because it's like, yep, the Crusaders are obviously going to be favourites going into these games, but I think yeah, that if there's... I think I will, for yeah, Crusaders. Exactly. I think that if there's anything that both the Highlanders and Chiefs can play for, it's that they want to stop their, their bigger brother in a sense because they're both from the South Island from winning this competition and even though they want to win it themselves I guess the first team that they would hope not to win it would be the Crusaders and that's possibly something that the, the Hurricanes and Blues have up their sleeves now the Hurricanes and Blues have to do their job <laughs> and get the wins in the games that they play but I think they know that that's sort of the, maybe the ace they have up their sleeve that I don't think the intensity is going to be quite the same as to when the, the Chiefs and the Highlanders play the Crusaders. So, yeah, fingers crossed for us Canes fans that the that, that either one of those teams can get up for that match and hopefully we see a different winner crowned in 2020. Yeah. But that pretty much wraps things up, bro. Like I mentioned before, it's two pretty good games of footy. And, yeah, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast this week. I've, I've really enjoyed um, having another one of the brothers on. Um, it was awesome to see you at the game on Saturday and I, you, you pay attention to going live on Facebook and I know all the boys tagged me <laughs> in it and were like, how good? And even though I didn't pick the Hurricanes, <laughs> that's, that's probably the thing I need to keep doing now. Eh? I need to keep going against them to make sure that they win because it's almost <laughs> like a bit of reverse psychology. But yeah, yeah brother. The uh, commentator's curse almost. <laughs> the old COVID kingy curse, bro. The old podcast curse. <laughs> Maybe I've yeah, come bro. up with something, bro. But um, yeah, like I mentioned, man, appreciate uh, your time and contributing to to my platform and no doubt uh, should the opportunity arise in the future that if I want to get you on you you accept because um, I feel like you've you've done a pretty good job to to earn another call up oh cheers Kingy mate yeah I was kind of shitting myself when you were like gonna upload the thing I was like oh no what are the boys gonna say but didn't manage to get shredded yeah but yeah now it's been a good experience now on the potty, I'm loving what you're doing. I'm loving the content, so yeah, keep it up, mate. Appreciate it, my bro. You take care. Yeah, bro.
Tja.